pastors have all kinds of wounds that are not seen wounds. But if you don't have the skills or the tool set to clean those wounds out, it can do you in. I always say this, pastor, please deal with your pain. Because if you don't deal with your pain, your pain will deal with you. Welcome to Hope Renewed. Helping you find new hope when ministry leaves you hopeless. The Hope Renewed Podcast is brought to you by PIR Ministries. Here are your hosts, Tom Jameson and Sean Nemechek. Well, our guest today on Hope Renewed is Brad Hafes of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. Brad, welcome to Hope Renewed. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you guys and great to meet you. Well, we're excited to make this connection and to hear a little bit about your journey. What what inspired you to start Fresh Hope for Mental Health? And, and just tell us a little bit about your story. Um, in 1995, I was pastoring the 13th fastest growing church in North America. And I was going to town. I had never had a down day. I'd never had a problem. But I was a pusher and a driver, and I could go to the hotel, and I could lock myself up and do more work in three days than, you know, most people could do in six months. And um, everybody just thought I was really creative, and the church had gone from about 800 in worship to about 3,000. And um, we had relocated and done all the stuff. Well, through it all, I was getting sicker had a manic episode that landed me in trouble with the law, and um, it all became public. And um, so long story short, a church started out of that um, process. Um, A group of people from the former church uh, said, we want to love you and care for you, provide safe place for me to get better along with my family, gave me an 18% pay raise, in the process, and um, I got better, but I didn't get super better. I didn't get, I I got like coping better. Mm. I, I could cope, but I wasn't thriving, and I certainly didn't have any passion about ministry anymore. I felt like I was mer- broken merchandise. Mm. Cracked. I was a cracked pot that was too cracked up, you know, mm. and um, so I... Uh, I ended up accidentally messing up my medicine and I relapsed seven years later, ended up in the hospital. And I said, I've got to figure out how to live with this in spite of this. I got to figure out how to do life. Um, I had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and um, I had no clue that I had it or anything. My dad had it, but I just didn't know that it was possible to be, you know, uh, genetically. And so anyway, when I relapsed, I then after getting out of the hospital, I started going to some groups and I was very unhappy with the groups. I found myself support groups because I found myself getting worse. It wasn't helping. And all I found was complaining and negativity and uh, they were ruminating constantly every week, no movement. And you find that in a fair amount of mental health support groups. And um, so I knew intuitively something was wrong. Started complaining. I'm a German Lutheran, and I started complaining to my doctor. We do that very well. And um, <laughs> so I 
complained long enough that he said, why don't you start the group that you want to attend? Oh, and man. that started Fresh Hope because I started that group sooner or later. And he was willing to help me. And um, lo and behold, um, people were looking for hope-centered, hope-directed groups, mental health support groups. And um, we have tenants. I wrote tenants that we combine both the loved ones as well as those with a diagnosis. And so we help churches start those groups. And then the ministry has just grown into a number of different areas. And right now we're in about 17 countries. People attend from 17 different countries. We're definitely all in English, all in Spanish. And then also it's being translated into Japanese, Chinese, French, and three languages in India. And I never set out to do any of that. But I could tell you this. I never had any passion about ministry until Fresh Hope. And, And within Fresh Hope, I realized that I used to be so braggadocious about, you know, what I was doing in ministry, how fast the church was growing and all of that. And today, the sweet spot is me telling my awful story Mm. that becomes a uh, liquid gold for the kingdom of God, if you will. Mm. And, um, yeah, I never would have guessed that, you know, and I used to think this was plan B, Mm -hmm. you know, that I had screwed up God's plan A for me. And the reality is that it's all plan A. Yeah. It, it's all yeah. part of it. Yeah. What a, what a powerful picture of how, how God redeems our brokenness for his glory. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the pouring out of grace comes, um, out of that. Uh, yes. and how too often we go into ministry because of our plan A. Yes. And we, we're missing yes. God's perfect plan. I'm not even going to call it plan A. It's just the plan. Yeah. Uh, which, which counterintuitively is found in our humbling ourselves or if by God's grace, our being humbled. Yeah. So that his grace can be made known in our lives. I would have never guessed that me telling my most vulnerable, broken, horrible, point i Mm. the point that which in my humanness would want to keep quiet and never tell again Mm -hmm. never think on it again becomes this all-empowering story for other people like story after story especially with some pastors who um have been through hell and back and um they needed somebody who got through it to say to them, mm-hmm. you can keep going. God can redeem this. There's no unredeemable situations. Never, mm. ever. Yeah. Wow. And I think we want to delve into a little bit of the, the whole perspective of mental health in the church and ministry, because, of course, every pastor wants to tell their deepest, darkest secret and, and be broken in front of the world. Right? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> but but I'm, I'm captured by this idea, you know, kind of at the start of Fresh Hope for Mental Health of looking for something different than what was being offered. Mm, yes. um, it, why why is it important to follow 
this hope-centered, hope-directed, or Christ-centered approach to mental health recovery and wellness, do you think? Yeah, several years ago, uh, the leaders of HHS, uh, the administration in Washington, D.C., and SAMHSA invited uh, nine of us that do faith-combined mental health stuff, and they know that uh, things are not good within what's happening from a mental health perspective in our country. Um, they know there's an element that we have that that needs to be part of mental health recovery, but therapists don't trust pastors, pastors don't trust therapists mm. usually, and uh, it becomes problematic. Well, anyway, through it, I just spoke on hope, and I explained to them that there's t- these 25 years of clinical research on hope, and it is incredible research, but just very simple things like hope can be borrowed, hope can be shared, um, and they it, they know it to be true. But if you take um, wishful thinking hope, you know, hope that encourages people, but it's still not sure and certain, but if you infuse faith into hope, a man's hope, if you take Christ's hope and you put that in there, um, you now have sure and certain hope. Mm. And the ability to speak that into somebody's life who is suicidal plays a different role than wishful thinking. Yeah. And Matt Stanford has said this for years. Dr. Matt Stanford, you guys maybe know him, but... Yep. um he has said for years that the um, church needs to understand that the greatest uh, territory, if you will, for evangelism is doing something about mental health within the mm-hmm. church. And see, I, when I was trained at the seminary in St. Louis, I was trained that pastors did pastoral counseling, therapists do therapeutic counseling. Don't mix them. You're not a therapist. Okay, got that. But that's one side of the coin. And if, if the, that, that's the clinical side. And yeah, the church should let the clinicians do that. But if somebody such as myself who has bipolar only does the clinical side, we end up having learned helplessness because we have to depend on the doctors and the medicine. Well, how do I recover in spite of it? And that's the flip side. And that's where the church belongs. That's where the church has this army of hope that can come in to come alongside people and help them, you know, Mm. and offer hope and um, helping people process their pain, helping them uh, be able to move from hopelessness to hope. We have a thing we call hope coaching which uh, churches are beginning to implement within their ministries. And the hope coaching uh, is just, we took all that research and infused it with hope or infused it with faith and boom, uh, you can have short conversations with people who are hopeless, don't have to have a mental health issue and um, begin to see a way forward. Mm. It's interesting to me that uh, you described uh, this church that formed and, and gave you space to heal. Uh, and you're talking now about the importance of healing within a community of faith. 
um, how how does this this idea of hope and being in community connect? First Corinthians thirteen ends with, and now these three remain: faith, mm-hmm. hope, and love. We understand faith and love are shared in community, right? Mm-hmm. Hope is the same way. Mm-hmm. Hope really functions the same way that love and faith functions. And I think we human beings don't understand that. And so the way that hope is discovered, uh, hopelessness, very simply put, is when people don't see a way forward. Mm-hmm. And hope is when you see a way forward. So what happens is when the Lord says, bear one another's burdens, and that which we have walked through, you know, I'm paraphrasing scripture, but that which we've walked through, then we can help others through. And that's why it's needed in the community. Um, If you try to be hope, if you're hopeless, whether you have a clinical depression or not, you know, you could be hopeless just from anxiety and being worn out and frustrated. Um, none of I used to think that just Lutherans had those problems in the ministry. <laughs> but I found out that even charismatics have those issues in ministry, you know. Well, anyway, um, even if you're hopeless in that, if you try to be hopeful yourself, it many times is not enough. Mm. It's just mm. not enough. And someone else's story of how God got them through becomes your survival guide. Mm-hmm. And you're something you can hold on to um, to show you the next step forward. Oh, that's so important. And uh, sometimes churches struggle uh, in facing mental health crisis in their communities. What are some of the obstacles that you see for churches there? <laughs> yes, one really big one. Liability. They all are afraid. They would rather have a bunch of drunks come in and have a meeting and druggies have a meeting than to have crazy people come into their church and have a meeting. When in fact, it's, it's no different. The the liabilities there. Yeah. There's always liabilities in doing ministry, but Uh, For instance, Fresh Hope offers Fresh Hope mental health groups. It's peer-to-peer, and we train the facilitators. We do all the work. We provide all the materials. If there's issues, we're available, blah, 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 blah. We've been doing this for 15 years and haven't had any horrific stories. I've had a few interesting stories, but um, uh, needless to say, um, it's no more than any other kind of than having AA in your church. And so there's this fear and I, it's very, the Christian church is very risk adverse, you know, mm-hmm. so much of it as is with pastors. When there's a pastoral problem, it becomes a legal thing and mm. the legalities are guiding us as opposed to the heart for people, you know, mm. And uh, so I find the biggest obstacle is helping pastors and church leaders understand that it's no more, there's no more liability than letting any other group in, you know. And, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Can something bad happen? Well, something bad can happen in, when you're having a prayer group, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so... It, that's the number one issue. And then secondly, this 
uh, di division that they see that where there's this solid rock wall that cannot be penetrated between the clinical and the ministry side of things, when in fact that wall needs to be taken down. Mm -hmm. uh, we see, like for uh, instance, uh, one of my colleagues on our staff, she just trained 24 pastors in India on how to help people with mental health issues, you know, and we don't see that kind of receptiveness in the United States. We mm. see it in other countries because they don't have that, that legal, um, and that wall. Mm. So it's kind of like we're trying to protect the institution rather than healing the hurting. Mm. And we've kind of yeah. gotten off course a Ex little bit there. Exactly. Exactly. And there is a, there is a way to help the hurting and, uh, minimize and not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we, in fact, we started Fresh Hope and we said every Fresh Hope group has to be sponsored by a church. Recently, we redid that and we revisited, revisited with professionals and with attorneys as well as with, and we now say Fresh Hope can be started by anyone who, you know, fits our requirements for facilitators is trained by us. Mm -hmm. We will be over that group, so to speak. They, the leaders can be responsible to us and it can be hosted by a church or it can mm -hmm. be hosted in a public place. So, so th those are some of the challenges that churches face. Uh, what challenges do pastors and ministry leaders personally face as it relates to well, mental health and wellness? Well, first of all, I think pastors many times have gotten into ministry and believe that they probably have their lives together more than they do. Mm. It, it's a lie we tell ourselves, you know. A lot of us use um, other things to cover up the pains and the difficulties. Um, I suspect most seminaries are not teaching resiliency. They're not teaching um, and equipping pastors to learn how to process their pain. And there's plenty of emotional pain that comes from ministry. I think of pastors like this. They're first responders, period. Mm -hmm. Where You know, I can't tell you the times I've been there either when somebody died or there was a tragedy or something and I had to take the news to them. I had to work through it or the time I had to baptize a baby who was um, blue coated and then the minute I baptized the baby everybody left and there I was with the baby and the baby was dying and I I got so upset with myself later that I didn't hold the baby I, I should have held the baby um, so there's those traumatic things that happen plus we have a lot of compound complex secondhand trauma mm -hmm. that comes on mm -hmm. us and then all the crappy things people do to you in ministry and accusations yeah. and all of that. And then there's our own family stuff. Marriages suffer. And so with Fresh Hope, we started a thing called, um, and we've just done a few of them, but it's an intensive like two day, um, two and a half day uh, intensive retreat in which both the spouse and the pastor is there or church leaders 
where they can um, process their pain and we give them the tools. It's not teaching them the tools. Mm -hmm. We actually empower them by using the tools there and they, Mm -hmm. they learn from that perspective and it's called healing the heart wounds of ministry. And, uh, I can tell you this. We took, we took, uh, all of, uh, not all of my staff, but many of my staff in Fresh Hope for Mental Health are trained in trauma healing, uh, out of the Trauma Healing Institute, out of the American Bible Society. And years ago, uh, missionaries were trying to evangelize people in Africa and it was not going well. And nothing was happening. And finally, they realized that the people had so much trauma, they weren't really able to even take the gospel in. There was mm. so much pain. And, you know, it's like this. If if you have a physical wound and you don't tend to it, it can be life-threatening. Mm-hmm. And yeah. pastors have all kinds of wounds that are not seen wounds. But if you don't have the skills or the tool set to clean those wounds out, it can do you in. Mm. And um I always say this, pastor, please deal with your pain, because if you don't deal with your pain, your pain will deal with you. Mm. And that's what I that happened to me. I wasn't mm-hmm. dealing with my pain. I wanted God to take care of it, but I wanted to do it in a vacuum because I felt like if I tell somebody all this crazy stuff I'm doing, they're going to think I'm crazy. So so there's a shame component to that? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. If you've never heard of the soul of shame, the book Soul of Shame. Yeah, Kurt yeah. Thompson, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and it seems like there that's that's all around the issue of mental health is this this atmosphere yeah. of shame yep um and then that i i guess within the church particularly creates a stigma in regard to to mental health you know yeah. uh, uh crassly saying you know well good christians don't have mental health issues right <laughs> right you be a right. good christian and have mental health and if issues? that's the case yeah. why are the statistics for mental health the same in the church just as all other statistics I would say that one of the things, so we base this, this, uh, healing the heart wounds on the same way that trauma is approached through the healing groups, trauma healing groups. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow, we've done a few of these and the response has been incredible because the spouse is going through it at the same time the pastor is. And then there's a point at which we bring them together. And they they go home with skills and abilities that are not any <laughs> rocket science kind of things, but saying to people, if you want to last the difficulties, if you want to stay in ministry and be happy, because the statistics right now, Barna has um, come out with some statistics that are frightening, really. Mm-hmm. And I've heard others where... Almost 48%. I don't know what, I don't have all of the percentages memorized, but of pastors want to quit or trying to figure out how to get out of ministry or what can I do instead of ministry. And I know I got so that at, towards the end, before I went full time into Fresh Hope, 
I got so I was having problems preaching and I'd never had that problem before in my life where I just wanted to go and clobber everybody over the head in the message with the law. You're going to hell if you don't straighten up. You know, I just didn't want to give the good news. (laughs) So seminaries don't teach us how to process our pain. You know, there's lots of pastors out there who are experiencing grief or shame or anxiety, and they just don't have the tools to process it. What are some of the trends that you're seeing among pastors with regards to mental health? Well, I think we have a higher rate in the clergy of depression and anxiety and addictive behaviors than in the average. And it's seen as one of the most complex professions. And um, what I'm seeing are a lot of pastors hurting and trying to do it alone. They're almost like dogs that have wounds and then they go off into the corner and, um, you know, they don't reach out for help. And, and I, I was exactly that way today. I'm not, but, um, yeah. So, but the trends that I'm seeing are that the younger guys are much more willing to get together and talk Mm. and process. Yeah. And if you want to, if you want to heal from the heart, the heart wounds of ministry, you have to be able to talk in safe spaces and just process it. Processing it simply means talking it out. That's why we go to talk therapy with a therapist or why we go to support groups. God made us that way. It's communal. Mm. It's it. We need each other. I think that's such a huge key that that too easily is forgotten for pastors and church leaders, ministry leaders, uh, that uh, for for whatever reason, uh, we believe that either we should have our act together. Right. Yeah. So we don't have that need to to talk it out uh, or, you know, who in the world uh, does a pastor talk to? Uh, so, uh, you know, how how can church leaders navigate the pressures and expectations, especially what they find just within their congregations? Well, I think personally, first, if a pastor wants to help the hurting in his church, he needs to help himself first. Mm-hmm. It's it's like being on a plane with, you know, they say if you have traveling with a child, put your own oxygen mask on first Um pastors have to talk about it from the pulpit means getting help. It means um, being open with someone. If it's a therapist, great. Um, One of the things pastors have to understand is that theologically, you can have talked to the Lord spiritually. You've talked to him. You know what the answer is. You know that with your head, but your heart is hurting And it's okay. You can have both those things at the same time. You can know that it's resolved. God has this, but I'm worried. Well, you have to process the worry. You have to process the hurt, whether it's with a therapist or find a safe group of pastors or come to something like we have with um, healing the heart wounds of ministry. But whatever you do, don't try to do it alone. Mm -hmm. That is where the enemy wins. If he can isolate you, he will tell you sooner or later you'll start believing you're the only one. 
and then you'll start feeling like there's something really wrong with me, but I'm afraid to tell. I've got this monster I'm living with, and pretty soon you feel like you are the monster. That's Satan. And um, so don't do it alone. And, And then I think when you become emotionally more healthy, we never get to a point of perfect mental health, but when you get to a point of being open and transparent, you're going to help your people. Mm. You're probably going to be more compassionate. You're going to speak about it more easily. It's going to open up the church as a safe space for people to really, you know, in the meantime, we'd love to come and help anybody start fresh hope groups where, you know, 50% of your people in a church are dealing with mental health. They either have a diagnosis or there's people who are trying to stay sane while they love those of us mm-hmm. with a diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. It, it just, it seems that it takes a, a lot of courage. Uh, it takes maturity, um, a great deal of humility, uh, to to be able to be transparent i i want to dip back into your story a little bit if we can so you know how 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 was that willingness to be transparent with others um a help for your healing the reality is is that all these things you guys have just listed that you need to have in order to be vulnerable and and get the help i had none of them mm-hmm. I, I was extremely gifted. I'm, I'm gifted really strongly in certain areas. Uh, you would not want me as your church administrator though. <laughs> I, I can't, you know, I'm like past gas in the air when it comes to that. It, it's just a mess. Um, the, the reality is, um, that I had none of those things. And yet I was pleading with God to help me, but I wasn't going for help. And I should have gone for help. If I would have gone for help, I don't think what happened would have happened. And I think it would have, it, it would have be so different, but I didn't. And I, I didn't have the character to hold my gifts. Mm-hmm. I did not have the resiliency mm-hmm. in ministry. So I, the Lord knew I had to crash and burn. And it was in such a public way where it was on the news, in the news, in the newspaper that I had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I would encourage pastors, don't wait that long. <laughs> Amen. You know, don't wait until it's so bad that that you're just a train wreck waiting to happen. But even if a train wreck happens, I'm living proof. My story is living proof that there is hope. Hmm. And, um, you know, pastors that are hurting, they need to know you're not alone. Uh-huh. You're mm-hmm. really not alone. And we need each other. I think we just need to be able to talk. When I w- am able to talk with people about what's going on in my life, you know what? I can manage it. Because hmm. I'd let the steam out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I've been hurt. Tell us a little bit more about this initiative, Fresh Hope for Pastors, that, that your ministry is taking. Yes. Um, if people are interested in it, um, our goal is through healing the heart wounds of ministry that sooner or later safe groups are formed out of that, where there becomes cohort 
you know, cohort groups or affinity groups where pastors, even if it's three or four people that just can get together on a regular basis and talk and, and uh, process uh, ministry. And so it, it's, it's what we do at Fresh Hope. We really do peer to peer support. And mm-hmm. so we're just doing it with pastors and not mm-hmm. because they have a mental health issue. It's, it, well, they do mental health challenges, yes, but not a diagnosis. It's more emotional and spiritual health and mm-hmm. just taking care of yourself and providing that for spouses also. So we have the healing the heart wounds, um, process that people can go through. And then also after that groups, uh, that, that are safe places and spaces where you can actually deal with your pain. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, can you just kind of break down some practical steps that leaders can take, uh, whether they're facing anxiety or depression or other mental health issues, uh, how can they focus on their personal well-being and lead their congregations? What I would say is uh, the first thing is, is go to somebody that you can talk to, whether that's a therapist or you have a you have somebody that you really trust and believe can help you um, or who's been there. Maybe it's a retired pastor or a, a close friend or whatever. But find someone. Go to a coach. There are people that are out there as pastoral coaches, you know. Um, I did some life coaching with someone, a friend, and boy, I'll tell you what, it helped me get more focused on who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, instead of playing games on my phone. And um, uh, so that getting a place or find a group, Um, but whatever you do, do not wait. And if you are depressed, take the medicine. It's no big deal for heaven's sakes. What pastors need to understand is the brain is just like every other organ in our body. And when it doesn't function right, we're not going to be, you know, so mm. if, if you had liver problems or if you had, uh, kidney issues or you had diabetes or whatever, you, and you had a broken leg, you go to the doctor. The medicine will just hopefully help your brain get back to its right chemical levels so that you can be in your right mind. Don't be ashamed of it, Pastor. It it is no big deal. <laughs> you know, the majority of us are well, I can tell you this, everybody's broken. And mm-hmm. if you don't think you're broken, let me come and live with you for twenty four hours. I have the spiritual gift of triggering people. <laughs> we'll figure out what your issues are. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Brad, I, I think one of the things that I'm hearing as a theme um, in your story and in the, the pastors that I coach through burnout is that when a pastor takes the time to find real healing for their heart, um, they end up being a better leader and a better pastor on the other oh. side. Absolutely. They're, they're more connected with the love of God mm-hmm. and, and more open to, to speak about God's love. Um, 
So what can we as a church or as the Christian church do to, to better support our pastors and ministry leaders in this area? I think if, uh, if first of all, if let's say you're a leader, a lay leader in the church, give your pastor a sabbatical. Give him time away with his family. Give him time away by himself. Um, encourage him. Allow him to go to places that are going to really help him deal with the things that need to be dealt with. Encourage him to process. And, and no matter who you are, whether you're a leader or not, just keep saying to him, Pastor, I love you. I want you around for a long time. Please take good care of yourself. Please, please, please take good care of yourself. I think simple things like that you know, can make a world of difference for, for pastors. And um, if you're on a board of directors or your elders or how, whatever the governmental structure is in the church, see to it that you require the pastor to to sabbatical, to do certain things. It, it doesn't need to be a conference on how to take care of yourself. Go to one in which they're going to help you take care of yourself. They're going to lead you and guide you to ways of doing that. So more of the experiential, uh, practical. And I love your your encouragement for churches to recognize the need uh, for rhythm uh, in the life of a pastor and ministry leader. Of course, in the life of every follower of Christ, we we should be incorporating that. But so important for yes. for pastors yes. and ministry leaders to to model that and, and to live into that. Um, how how else you you've mentioned uh, so sabbaticals and this idea of rhythm, um, uh, being well connected with with others with whom you can speak openly and vulnerably. Anything else to to just kind of nurture good mental health for pastors and ministry leaders? I think it's imperative for the pastor to stay very connected with his spouse and to be able to find healthy ways to really um, nurture that relationship. And uh, because many times the spouse is picking up on things long before the pastor mm-hmm. does. The, pastors, the pastor is many times trying to preach his way out of it when in fact um the spouse is feeling lonely and um you know feels like the church is the other woman in the mirror or whatever so i think it's just important for you to nurture that relationship with your spouse um because there's probably one of the safest places that you should have or might have to really um talk but you know, I hate how broken my life got. I I would not wish it on anyone. I and I always say I don't want to walk through any of that again. Any anything other than that, I probably will have to walk through. I don't know, but my life has mm-hmm. never been better, and I don't mean that in a uh, professional sense at all. I mean that I don't. Ministry was my idol, mm-hmm. and I don't bow down to that idol of if everything went away today, I, I'm happy with who I am 
and I love my wife and we love our grandchildren and we love life and uh, we enjoy it. And so it could all go away tomorrow. And that's not my identity, you know. How do financial issues play into the mental health of a pastor? Uh, that's really a good question. It's insightful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the love of money um, is, they, you know, Scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, I could tell you the lack of money is at the root of a lot of emotional issues for people. Mm. Um, and it's hard to go about doing ministry when you're trying to figure out how to navigate financially. Um, so I think ministries, uh, churches need to be extremely generous with their pastors financially, as financially generous as they can be within reason. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that provides it's like with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you mm -hmm. can't take care of some of the more intellectual, spiritual, and all of that if very fundamental needs of how you're going to feed your family or pay the rent. And, um, yes, it plays a role in it. Mm -hmm. And as significant, I would say that's core to, you know, if you're worrying about house and food and things like that, how in the world can you be handling the trauma and the drama and the stuff of ministry and do it effectively? Yeah. I think we're fooling ourselves if we think that's all, you know. I think um, Jesus would be the only one who could handle all that. Mm. He did a fair job of it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm not him. And I'm not trying to be, and I can't be. Well, and, and not I not mean, to make light of that either is is the sense that that Jesus understood where his source um, of well being was found, and was continually connected to that. Yes, yeah, and um, you know, one of the things that I would say that Jesus did is he got away from the crowds. And um, I, I think he probably did that in a, on a regular basis. And I teach people in Fresh Hope, almost everything is mindfulness. We need to pay attention to what's going on inside of ourselves. We need to pay attention to when our brain accidentally is on its own, what are we thinking about? Mm -hmm. And we need to learn how to take captive our thinking. Um, our Brains have a default setting, and it's not a good default setting, and we need to change that default setting, and we need to really focus our brains. We need to train our brains to think on these things, hmm. and um, you can actually change your brain chemistry. Neuroscience proves that by decluttering um, or um disconnecting all the ruminating and all of that. And there are good, simple ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started doing those things, I was shocked at how my thinking changed. Yeah, I've had the same experience with mindfulness. It's been an incredibly uh, powerful tool for me. Um, but I, I would like to, to return back to uh, just something you mentioned earlier. We talked about different 
types of trauma that pastors experience. Post-traumatic stress, I think we're all familiar, is connected to a single traumatic event. But you also mentioned complex traumatic stress. Can you describe what that is? Trauma is when the brain um, kind of shuts down and can't process what's happened. And then it gets stored in a place of the brain where they're, it's in the flight and fight area and it, uh, there, there's usually no words for it. So when I think about, um, all the stuff I had that I experienced along with families, cause I had empathy, I felt with them. So that's all getting stored up, right? It's suddenly I think of compound and complex as being its layers of it could be just small things, mm-hmm. but it's layers of it. And and um, the times where your brain just can't, you know, and when there's enough of that and you haven't worked through it, it becomes huge. Mm-hmm. Then the other part that I did not mention and we really need to say something about is grief. Mm-hmm. Pastors need to grieve. When somebody rejects you or leaves the church and just ghosts you, you've got to grieve that. Yeah. And um, you can't just say, oh, well, there's very few people who cannot care about that. Um, yeah. and, and then I would be worried about them and their empathy in <laughs> ministry, you know. Um, Something else going on there. Right. Yeah. And, and so, but there's also the grief work that we need to do when good things happen. You know, um, when our second child was born, I had a little grief afterwards because life was easier. And then you have a baby and it's not as easy. And so you adjust and then it's okay. But there's grief involved even in good things. And I didn't know that prior to crashing and burning. I had a I had a lot of compound and complex grief from moving a church, taking it from a traditional setting to going into a manufacturing plant, you know, and I had to process some of that. So sometimes we we talk about uh, death by a thousand paper cuts, you know. The, the, <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that layering and and just how much of a reality that is. And how easy it is for a pastor to say, well, it's not that big a deal. Uh, but the hope of, of what I hear in, in you saying is that if, if we're disciplined, if we're faithful, if we're, we're, uh, wise enough to, um, just be talking about these things, be processing them out, just making sure that, that we, uh, I'm just I'm reflecting on my own story and how some layers of grief just got unattended uh, and really drove some very poor decisions on my part. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because yeah. if you don't if you don't deal with your pain, your pain deals with you. Yeah. And what it will require is if you're not going to process it, it will tell you you've got to cover up. I, it, the pain is so great. You find ways or ways to escape it it or ways make to it make it go away, even if it's momentarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing that happens in a ministry is I could attend to what I was doing right when I was doing it. But the minute there was free time or there was downtime, I had to turn to a world that was my own 
because I didn't want to deal with what was going on within me. So Mm -hmm. it required a lot of driving. It required a lot of, and it's like, that's not the kind of self-care that will help us process. Right. Right. So self-care is good, but it's hard. I mean, it's work that needs to be. Yeah. But you know what? Um, It's a lot easier to do than the other stuff I was doing. Yeah. Well, uh, as as we talk about all these things, I am very mindful that there may be uh, someone who's listening who is um, deeply pained uh, in their life and considering things that might be harmful to themselves, uh, to others. Uh, and we want to acknowledge that if if you are listening and if you are struggling uh, there, there is hope. There is help. Uh, Brad, how how would you direct someone who might be in some very very dark places at this moment? If you're in a very very dark place and you are even feeling suicidal, you need to reach out to somebody. And if nothing else, you need to call nine eight eight, you know, and talk to someone immediately. Um, if you are in a place of addictions or darkness or covering up your pain by behaviors that you know could do you in, so to speak, we also become kind of uh, professionally suicidal that way mm-hmm. and taking risks that are going to hurt you and hurt the people you love. You need to reach out to ministries that deal with those kinds of things. I'm sure you guys talk about that on a regular basis. Uh And now if you're not in a deep and dark place, but you know that you've, most people are not, they don't go into ministry, um, having, uh, all the ability to deal with all they're going to have to handle. We just don't come that way, but you can get equipped. You can learn. And if you don't want to get to those deep, dark places, attend things like healing the heart wounds of ministry or other things such as that resiliency uh, groups and cohorts and things like that to keep yourself out of those dark places. Mm-hmm. But pastor, I'm telling you, if you're in that dark place and and what you are fearful of the most is um the crash and burn, then for God and your family, get help. Um, if it had not been for the people who came around us and loved us, um, you know, the longer you wait to get help, the more the pain is mm-hmm. uh, going to drive you. And um, I, you know, call, I, email me. Yeah. How how can people get in touch with your ministry, Brett? Yeah, Pastor Brad at FreshHope.us. Um, they can go to FreshHope.us. Um, it's kind of a big, complicated website, so don't <laughs> give up on us. But um, talk to Jason, Jason at FreshHope.us. And um, but Pastor, I want you to know you are not alone. You need to know there is great hope, and that the Lord loves you. And he saw fit to call you into ministry, and he'd love to see fit to keep you in ministry, but don't stand in his way. Because <laughs> he loves you enough to let you crash and burn. <laughs> 
So, Brad, do you have any final words of hope that you want to give to pastors and ministry leaders who are in need of encouragement today? Yeah, I think um, the bottom line is, is I was very good at um, giving hope to other people before my situation. And um, I was very loving and kind to them, but I was not to myself. And um, I think the fact that if you have troubles really receiving your own I don't think we forgive ourselves. I think we have to learn how to live in the forgiveness of Christ. If you're not able to experience that and live in that, that's a key that um, has profoundly changed my life. Well, Brad Hayes, we just want to uh, thank you so much for your openness and your willingness to share your story and your generosity to help hurting pastors. Thank you for being a Hope Renewed. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. It's It's been great to have you on, and we thank our listeners. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our conversation. You can go to our new webpage, hoperenewedpodcast.com. Leave your comments and thoughts there. It is our prayer that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Thank you for joining us on Hope Renewed. Please help us reach more pastors by sharing this episode with your friends. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify, or your favorite platform for receiving podcasts. Thank you. This means the world to us. The Hope Renewed Podcast is brought to you by PIR Ministries. At PIR, we partner with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration. Pastors, our goal is to help you cultivate new hope for healthy life and ministry. We do this by building relationships. We train both pastors and churches to promote a culture of ministry health. If you've experienced a forced exit from ministry, we provide a process of restoration for you and your family. We also have proven resources and tools to assist you in the challenges of ministry life. To contact us or to learn more about PIR, visit PIRministries.org.